Welcome back to the Gene Wolfe Literary Podcast by Clay Temple Media, where we discuss the work of the great science fiction writer Gene Wolfe, one story at a time. I'm Brandon Buddha. And I'm Glenn McDorman. This episode, we're talking about the short story Car Sinister, originally published in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in 1970. And reprinted in the story collection Castle of Days. Car Sinister is Gene Wolfe's tale of, I don't, I don't know, I guess the term would be automotive husbandry <laughs> um, <laughs> car, car porn some might yeah, call something like that uh i mean besides that uh brief sentence i don't have too much to say until we get to the discussion so glenn why don't you take us through the story yeah let's get started before our story begins we get an epigram which wolf ascribes to a grade school joke and the the joke is this brandon what do you get if you cross a raccoon with a greyhound i i don't know glenn a furry brown animal that climbs trees and seats 40 people. We're off to a good start. <laughs> Some might say. <laughs> so our real story begins with a first-person narrator describing the number of gas stations in his village. There are three. Two that are operated by major oil companies, and these he labels quite nicely, I think. This is actually a, a phrase I really liked in the story. He labels one as the one I go to, and the other one is the other one. That's right, yeah. And then there is Bosco's shop at the other end of the village. The narrator says that Bosco appears stupid, but that he doesn't think he really is. Nonetheless, Bosco's a comical character. He wears army fatigues and a gray coat that was once part of a bus driver's uniform, for example. Uh, and there's another man who works there, a boy, really, the narrator says. And he's, his name is Bubber. Bubber's got some real ish. Yeah, there's something wrong with, with the shape of Bubber's head, yeah. we, we discover. Yeah, that's never a good sign. I don't know what Gene Wolfe is trying to imply here. My sense is that like a piece of his brain is missing, just by the way the characters think about him and treat him. Yeah, I, I agree, though. It's a detail that never really... It doesn't matter. It's, in fact, yeah. well, I would say it doesn't matter to the plot of the story, but this is one of a, a hallmark of Wolf's real rich characterization, right. even when it's not necessary to serve the plot, right. which is part of the rich world that he builds. Yeah, it's also kind of a classic form of literary representation where characters with like... Um, you give a character a physical flaw to describe their... Um, I don't know, essential beings. So I mean, like uh, Victor Hugo kind of undermines this with the Hunchback of Notre Dame where like usually disfigurement is like moral failing. Um, but in that story, it's like, you know, he's he's the hero. So I don't know. I don't know what Wolf's doing with this yeah. caved in head. <laughs> <laughs> so through a series of events, our narrator one day has to bring his car to be serviced at Bosco's rather than at his regular shop. And Bosco isn't there, only Bubber. Now, our narrator notices that Bubber was working on a model of a car that he's never seen before. He calls it incredible. And there are several other interesting cars at the garage, and Bubber comments on them as if they have personalities. Uh, and he does this especially for a black Aston Martin, mm -hmm. which Bubber describes as too damn mean. That's right. In the end, our narrator leaves his car with Bubber to be serviced, and then he goes about his own business. The next morning, his car has been delivered to his house. Inside, on the driver's seat, he finds a bill for $25, which it turns out in 1970 is far too much for an oil change. Way too much. Although Way an oil change is still, you can still get about a $20 oil change at uh, Pep Boys, but they always find something else wrong with their <laughs> yeah, car. That's, that's their business, that's their business <laughs> right. model. Yeah. Uh, Bosco has a different business model, which we're going to find out about here shortly. Yeah. So the bill is not itemized, and so our narrator, our narrator cannot tell if they've done more than he asked the car, because it only says for service. But he doesn't have time to deal with that now. So a week later, our narrator finally gets to Bosco's shop to complain about the bill. Bosco asks what precisely it is that he had asked Bubber to do with his car. 
And when the narrator says, I wanted the oil changed and the chassis greased and the tank filled, you know, the car serviced, Bosco just laughs and tears up the bill. Bosco goes on to explain that Bubber made a mistake and the service is on the house. Our narrator resumes his normal routine, but sometime later, his car begins giving him trouble in the mornings. He takes it to his usual shop, but they can't find anything wrong. Now, this goes on for three weeks until finally our narrator takes the car back to Bosco. Bosco explains that the engine is drawing in gasoline from the carburetor and then puking it back up. Mm. The best thing, he says, is just to live with it. It'll go away by itself in a while. But then he adds, only, I got something serious to tell you. You want to come in my office. Bosco sits our narrator down and then levels with them. The narrator's car is pregnant. The narrator laughs, of course, because, as everyone knows, cars don't get pregnant. Cars don't get pregnant. <laughs> I mean, they don't. <laughs> they, they just don't. <laughs> as everyone knows. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but Bosco goes on to explain that they most definitely do. We're wrong, Brandon. Ah. And it's, it's not that cars are some mystical creature that we've domesticated. They're not, you know, like unicorns or something like that. Rather, cars are definitely machines. They've been invented by humans. But engineers have developed the science of bionics to make some of the cars behave like animals. And these are the car companies breeding stock. Apparently, this is just a cheaper way to make cars than, it, than paying people to build them. Impossibly, that seems to be the case. But I do, I do want to say that this uh, in this section, Bosco says the, the, the Aston Martin serviced our narrator's car in like the most grotesque way. I mean, it's yeah. just gross. It was two paragraphs of car porn, and I yeah. didn't feel like recapping it. Yeah, yeah. It's real euphemist, heavily like euphemistic language, and it's unpleasant. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm 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 happy to have skipped it. I, <laughs> yeah. I believe our I believe our listeners will uh, will be happy that I've skipped it as well. Yeah. So it turns out Bosco runs a sort of illegal stud farm for cars, and Bubber thought that was the kind of service our narrator had asked for. So nine months later, our narrator's car gives birth to a new car that doesn't resemble any model of car on the market, and this brings our narrator nothing but trouble. His wife won't drive the car because it is strange. He can't sell it because he can't describe its make and model. And there are no parts to repair it when it breaks down. That's right. And then I do want to mention, I mean, this is where the title of the story comes from. The insignia on the car um, is that of a shield with a band or stripe running from the left to the re- left to right. And this is a diagonal. This is the bar sinister on, on uh, heraldic symbols or shields, which was also usually the sign of uh, bastardy. Yeah, so that's hence the name of our title. That's, it is, that's the whole thing. It is a nice pun. Yeah. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. So our narrator grows so discouraged that he decides to abandon the car. And then we get a rather strange ending. When the police forced me to come and retrieve it, I found that the radiator, generator, and battery were missing. And that's the last line of the story. That's the end. One thing I do want to point out before we launch into the to the description is um, during that uh, kind of heavy... Euph- heavily euphemistic section describing how these cars are serviced um, and and our narrator is invited by Bosco or something to that effect to watch a car being serviced uh, by the Aston Martin. It's all very dark, but but there's one section I, wa- I do want to read in order for us to um, prepare for our discussion. So Bosco explains that why he tries to keep his operation quiet um, and that the car manufacturers have a way to make sure that most people can't reproduce cars in this way. And our narrator says, what do you mean? And Bosco says, you know anything about horses? You know what a gelding is? 
and the narrator's shocked. And he says, you mean they? Sure. Bosco made a scissors gesture with his arms, snapping them like a giant shears. Ain't you ever noticed how they make all those cars with real hairy names? But when you get them out on the road, they ain't really got anything. Geldings. Do you think, said our narrator, I looked delicately, I hope, toward my American. It could be repaired, what they call an illegal operation? Bosco spread his hands. What for? Listen, Colonel, it would just cost you a lot of bread, and that little car of yours might never recover. Ain't it come through to you yet that if you just let nature take a course for a while, you're going to have yourself a new car for nothing? So that that section, um, I just want our listeners to keep in mind as we kind of move forward with the discussion. I think uh, there's a few things I want to point out there. But I do want to start by uh, talking about how this story came about, which maybe we don't know the exact genesis of, but we do know kind of the circumstances surrounding the publishing of this story and how it helped Gene Wolfe in his career. And in a profile about Gene Wolfe uh, published in The Guardian in, in 2012, Gene Wolfe says this, I sold a few stories. Then it was time for school to start again, and Rosemary began badgering me for money for school clothes. I would gladly have given it to her if there had been any. Another story, Car Sinister, sold, and instead of depositing the check, I got the manager of the hardware store to cash it for me. I took it to Rosemary. Here's every dime I got for that story. That's how much you have for school clothes. A few days passed, and I was sitting on the kitchen floor trying to mend a chair. Rosemary came up behind me and said, shouldn't you be writing? That's when I knew I was a writer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. When, when your partner validates that the thing that you, the thing that you think of as your hobby is actually something that's worthwhile to the whole family. Right. That's when you know you've made it. Right, right, right. So that, I just found that really interesting. And that's kind of the only, I don't know, bit of uh, commentary we have on this story. Uh, there's very, very little commentary on this story because I think it's a pretty slight story and it's a bit of a lark. And um, many readers, I think, have fun with this story. And I, I did not. I don't like the subject matter, and that's kind of the the main yeah, my main problem. By, by subject that. matter, yeah. do you mean just cars in general, or is it is it the cars reproducing part? That, cars that, in general, not a huge fan of cars, uh, but the cars reproducing and just the fascination of the narrator with that process and and um, the way it's described and handled in this story. Just just not a fan of it. Yeah, I wasn't. I was not a big fan of this story either. Though I do, I do think there were some really uh, beautiful bits of writing. I, I actually quite like those sort of first three paragraphs where he's describing his his village, um, in especially in yeah. terms of the gas stations. I actually thought the world that he builds is is quite rich. Uh, just it is uh, so much. It's about it's about his car, his American Roadster, and I also am not. Uh, it just doesn't. It's not something that that, that intrigues me inherently. Yeah, this is by no means a poorly written story, uh, you know, word for word and sentence by sentence. It's just, um, just didn't catch me. But, but one thing I did want to kind of bring up and kind of the main theme of the story that I think is the relevant theme of, of how far, you know, your average person is removed from how things are made or how something gets from the factory to their house, the costs involved, you know, basically the chain and means of production. Our narrators sold, you know, one story about how cars are made and the good work done in factories and the American worker and all this stuff. Um, but when he's exposed to the reality of the situation, he's he's fascinated by it, but he's also a little disgusted and he's uncomfortable with the actual process involved in in this um, how cars are made and and ultimately what goes into running cars and keeping the production 
chain alive. So that's kind of a theme I'd like to chat about in this story. And do you think that's intentional on Wolf's part? Um, We've seen Wolf kind of be a critiquer of capitalism in some way and, and how far people are removed from where the things they use and consume come from. Um, so do you think that's just, that was on Wolf's mind when he was writing this story or yeah, it I just think, kind of fell its way into it? No, I think it was on his mind. I think there's actually a really interesting uh, bit here where Bosco sits him down in the office to explain to him, you know, that his car cars is come from that way. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's, he says about part of, you know, when, when our narrator says that can't be, that can't be true. This is, you know, cars don't get pregnant. You know, and Bosco goes on to explain that, you know, they keep, they're making more and more cars each year with fewer and fewer workers. And the narrator right. says, well, yeah, that's because of, of, of robotics and advanced engineering. Uh, and Bosco says, no, come on, that's, that's ridiculous. Right. It's because right. they're breeding cars. Right. Uh, and, but that seemed like an interesting comment on, you know, you know, union and capital relationships, uh, you know, in Detroit, in the American automotive industry, which I think were probably a, pr- a pretty big deal here in 1970. Yeah, I think there's also an apt comparison to just agriculture in, in, in general as well. I mean, this is about bre- the breeding of animals and kind of like, where does your steak really mm-hmm. come from? You know, um, what, what, what goes into... You know, we we have we're touching on issues like the disposability of certain things and and abortion and geldings and just like you know, which is effectively making sure certain lines can't breed um, in terms of animals and getting rid of animals or cars in this case that are unfavorable to the public consumption. And so these were just themes that were in the story that I just thought, boy, that that's a really interesting theme to deal with i don't know that this is the best subject matter you know i'm really impressed by these themes um that wolf brings up and i think they're they're wonderful uh, wonderful themes and there's there's a tragic element to them that you know the things we thoughtlessly get rid of when we don't want them anymore like this car and and in this the end the, the kind of bastard car maybe it's implied that it's just taken apart its parts are taken to be used in other you know orphaned cars um that that the people just come or or other cars potentially come and get it you know there's this is um pixar's universe we're kind of getting <laughs> yes, into exactly. it at this point um so yeah i just that that's really what i wanted to highlight for this story i think all of that is there and there is definitely a sense too that all of this is kind of is kind of wrapped up in that the world is changing and that in uh as machines become more and more important uh, and, and we see that it's not just uh, the way that we, we don't know where our food comes from as our society becomes more and more a society of, of waste, uh, a, a disposal society, if you will. Right. Um, we see this happening with people as well. I think it's very clear, right, that, that, that Bosco and his shop, there's something strange about it. Bec- and, and what's strange about it to the, the narrator before he ever goes there is that he's not uh, aligned with one of these major Oil companies, companies, for example, that he's a holdover from some other age. And we hear this, too, even in the opening description, actually, of the village in which he describes the main road that goes through it as something that would have been called the highway in the 1930s, but wouldn't be called that now. Right, right. Um, And we see this, too, I think, in the the discussion about the uh, more cars more cars being produced but fewer workers being needed to make them is a sense that workers that humans in fact are becoming disposable it's disposable well. when it comes to i mean you know that's a it's kind of a pet subject of mine is thinking about um 
what is the actual cost to have the have the things that we have and is it actually good to take work away from people without replacing that time with maybe like a theory of leisure or what people ought to be doing with their downtime and and who's who's responsible for telling people that like um they should find meaningful things to do outside of their work because as things become more and more automated they're more and more disposable um and i you know maybe it's just because that's kind of a pet subject of mine that i just wish there were a little more to this story about the impact of these ideas rather than just kind of bringing them up and then ignoring them and having it being about a bastard car. Yeah, well, I think that's where this story falls short. And I should say, you know, I think that this is a story that feels to me like it falls short, but only in comparison to other wolf stories. Mm. I think we've already found quite a bit worth uh, that's worthwhile in this story that didn't we didn't really care for all that much. Right. But there's stuff that's still there. But you're right, as far as a wolf story goes, there's not a whole lot of meat on these on these bones. But there you know, we are finding we are finding some there. And I do think it's neat as well to see here in this very early story that is just ostensibly a cute little story about, hey, what if what if cars got pregnant what if that would have right. sexually reproduced with right. you know that's a cool idea right uh, a story that's that's just just using that as its tagline still actually you know has some of these themes that we see in wolf's later work yeah and this notion of of biologically reproducing machines we are we are going to see that again well in the cannibalization of one machine to um kind of keep another machine alive that's uh for for those who haven't read the book of the Long Sun, Wolf does incredible things with that idea and problems of identity. And mm-hmm. it's just remarkable the way he handles it in that book. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about that book, which is also my favorite book by Wolf. Yeah, so um, I, I was really quite uh, pleased, if not necessarily entertained, to, to, find, it, to find it here <laughs> yeah. in this, this, this short little story and, about a car. Yeah. And as I was reading about uh, this story, I found many, you know, posts on forums and and different, um, you know, listservs. Uh, there's a lot of people who are entertained by this story, so I, you know, I'm not, I'm I'm reluctant to really go after it. Um, but I just was not one of those people. Um, but I, you know, so I don't have too much more to discuss about this story. Um, Glenn, do you have, did you have any kind of comments you wanted to make? No, I think we've I think we've talked this one out as uh, as far as we can. I agree. Well, that that's going to do it for this episode. I'm Brandon Buddha. And I'm Glenn McDorman. You can find us and our other creative projects at claytemplemedia.com. Head on over to the Clay Temple forums and let us know what you thought of Car Sinister. Um, and just give us your thoughts. Did you enjoy? Is there more meat on the bones? What did we miss as readers um, who, may, who may have not been the most excited about this story? And next time we'll be covering the story, How the Whip Came Back, which you can find in the collection Castle of Days. And until then, we greet you and say farewell. Farewell.